All right. Um, so overall purpose, does everybody have notes? Okay. The big picture, I think, is right out of John chapter 17. Jesus' prayer right before he goes to the cross. He prays, Father, I desire that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, in order that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. That love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. So, the Lord wants us to see him in his glory, to be with him, and he wants to be in union with us. Um, this is really our ultimate purpose as a Christian, not just for the prayer room. So I'm starting out really big, and then I'm going to get really specific at the end. But really big, our ultimate purpose as a Christian is to live the first two commandments, to love God with all of our hearts, and then out of that transformation in our inner man of loving him and him loving us, then we love others well. That comes out. Um, first commandment has to be in first place. And then second commandment will be done well. Um, the Lord says in his first commandment, you shall love me with all your heart. This is not only a commandment, but it's also a promise. And it's also a prophetic promise to us. It's also the Lord saying, you shall love me. You really will love me with all your heart. Because he's going to help us do that, right? Because in and of ourselves, we really don't have anything. Like, apart from God, we really can't do what we're called to do. We can't even love God. It, like, takes God to love God. So um, the Lord says, don't worry. You shall love me with all of your heart. Um, God will enable us to. Because of the cross, Jesus has opened the door for us that no man can shut. This is Revelation chapter 3, Isaiah 22. Um, he himself is the door. He's the door. He became the way to God for us. So he is the door. Um, what do I mean by going to the summit? This has kind of been our theme for tonight. Going to the summit, to me, it means um, one scripture around it is Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, when it's talking about knowing the heights, the depths, the widths, and the lengths of his love that we might be filled with the very fullness of God. And we read those scriptures and we're like, what? Or we just like blow by it because we have no idea. I have no idea what that is, what that looks like. Being filled with the fullness of God, right? It's a profound scripture and truth that we can't even hardly get our minds around this. Um, but that is what he's calling us to. And that's what I call the summit, knowing the heights, the depths, the widths, and the lengths, the highest place of intimacy that we can go in this life prior to going to heaven, going to the summit is knowing the heights, the depths, the widths, and the lengths of his love. Um, we can't do this as an island on our own. Even if you spend tons of time in prayer, you still need the body of Christ. He's just designed it that way, that we need both. We need our alone time in prayer. We need corporate prayer. And we can go, we, we, can't, we can only go so far um, either way. We can only go so far on our own, and we can only go so far corporately, but we need all of us to have our 
alone time with God at home, growing in the Lord, as well as come together and see what happens then corporately, and then we all go up to another level. So there's something about it that we must have the body of Christ. And there's, a, there's scriptures on that. You know, do not forsake the gathering together. And um, there's a reason for that. So in order to reach the summit, we actually do need the body. I don't fully understand the whole mystery behind that, but I know that that's true because um, the Lord has spoken that through his word. Okay, so our mandate at East Bay Prayer Furnace We're a smaller part of a bigger story of what we call the prayer movement. So if you hang out here at all, after a while you'll hear me talk about the prayer movement because we pray for the prayer movement. You know, you might say, what is the prayer movement exactly? Um, Well, there has been a shift um, or an expression change that the Bible would say would happen, and it, it comes out of Malachi 1.11, Malachi 1.11 says, Incense will go up and a pure offering, and it will go up from every place. That is like a huge promise in the scriptures. Um, The lifestyle of continual incense of prayer and worship ascending his throne. It's none other than what the Lord taught us to pray in, in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's happening in heaven. Worship and prayer, night and day, around his throne, adoring the Lord. That's what's happening um, all the time. And the Lord prayed that that would happen on earth as it is in heaven. So the answering of the Lord's prayers in the Bible, um, and there's other places as well, is bringing about right now what we can see, a global shift on how people, how the people of God meet and how they express life together. This is the hour um, of this global shift. Uh, The reason why I say that is because 30 years ago, there wasn't any houses of prayer as we know it today. It doesn't mean that people didn't pray. Of course, prayer happened um, in different ways. Um, But right now, just, and this is what I'm calling the prayer movement, say the past 30 years, There are tens of thousands of houses of prayer globally now that do similar to what we do in this room. So we're a small part of a bigger thing. Um, It's so interesting. Like our daughter um, and son-in-law went to Malta as part of their honeymoon some years back. And they found the house of prayer in Malta. And they went in there, and there's people there that used to be at IHOP KC, and they're doing harp and bowl, and they're doing what we do, and it was so familiar. They're in Malta. <laughs> you know? So that's just an example. I mean, these things are really, really popping up everywhere. And that is a shift. That's something new that, ha- that the earth hasn't seen before. It doesn't mean prayer hasn't been around, because King David did prayer, <laughs> you know, night and day for 33 years. And there's been monasteries that have done night and day prayer, chanting the Psalms and that kind of thing. And that's still going on today. So there's different expressions of night and day prayer. Um, But this type of night and day prayer, what we call a prayer movement, about 30 years. And they look a little like this. And there's tens of thousands of them. So it's very interesting. You can see that the Lord really is going to do this Malachi 1.11. Incense will go up in every place. 
In other words, you don't have to be a monk or a nun. You can be part of something like this and go up and have night and day. Um, let's see, page two. Is everybody still with me? Okay, so our prayer room was birthed September 18th, 2006. Um, it was through a prophetic swirl and a clear calling of God. Um, leaders from three local churches came together. They recognized the calling of God on four of us. They laid hands on us and they prayed for us. They said, you guys are the ones to launch House of Prayer in the East Bay. And there, that story is way longer than that sentence. <laughs> There's like I could talk for a couple hours just on that and all the things God did to make that happen. And it was like an explosion. It really was. It was like out, out of the chute, it was an explosion. Because when we started September 18th, 2006, we started 40 hours a week live. 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., Monday through Friday, kaboom. That's how we started. We didn't know what we were doing. We had a lot of zeal, <laughs> and we had a lot of volunteers, you know? And we had people like, I'll do a set, I'll do a set. We had pastors. We had just everybody jumping in on this thing. And we pushed ourselves, too. And we, we were so zealous. We were like, Christmas, yes, we need to be in there on Christmas. Thanksgiving, you know, we used to do that. Now we're a little more, we're not so crazy. I mean, we're like, let's shut down for the holidays, you know, be with our families. We're not quite as, um, I don't know. We just had a lot of zeal. That's all I can say. Zeal can be good. It also can be like, you know, a little overboard. <laughs> and we were on the overboard side for sure. Um, we felt from the beginning that our mandate was to do night and day prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. That's out of Amos chapter 9. The Lord says, I will, in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David and I will rebuild its ancient ruins. Um, what, did, what is the tabernacle of David? Well, it was, a, it was a worship and prayer place that went around the clock for 33 years. And the Lord says, I never said to stop that. I, there was nowhere in scripture that he said to stop that. In fact, the kings who followed David in that example of worship were the, were the good kings of Israel that received the blessing of God. They followed in that Davidic worship. The ones that didn't went off into idolatry and um, did, did not do well. Um, eventually, you know, they were taken off into exile. But um, the Lord said in his word, I'm going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. And so we don't say, we're the tabernacle of David. But we do say what we're doing is in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. You know, So we say, kind of like what David did, that's what we're trying to do here. Um, our story was also birthed out of a bigger story that was happening in Kansas City. Um, now called the International House of Prayer Kansas City, or IHOP KC. Um, we are completely independent from them, uh, but we have similar DNA. We look to them as like the leader of the prayer movement that we're in. We actively listen to their story. We know their story. We've listened to their prophetic history, at least most of us have. <laughs> I keep encouraging everybody to listen to that. Um, we track with the current messages that are being spoken. We know many leaders there. And if you watch their web stream, which has been going around the clock, all, um, they've been, they're in 21 years now of non-stop worship and prayer without any 
gaps. And even their transitions, when they transition from team to team, no gap. There is no gap whatsoever. And so you go on and watch their web stream, it's free. They even have a free app they give you. You can be listening to this in your car, anywhere. They're going night and day and they've done it for 21 years. It's so amazing and if, if you've ever been in that room and I have many times, presence of God is there. It's so, I just love coming in that room, just sitting in that chair and hours and hours go by and it seems like no time has passed because the Lord is there and it's so, so deep and so beautiful. Um, so what we're trying to do is basically what they're doing, only no one will really be like Kansas City. They're bigger. They have, you know, a lot more going on. But we are going to do it um, with whoever the Lord brings here. And so whoever we have, we, like, we say, jump in. Let's do this together. It might not be as big and as glorious as what Kansas City is doing, right? But with our hearts leaning into God and loving Him with all of our hearts, it matters. It really matters to heaven, to God, and um, it matters in our own lives, our community. It's, um, it's precious in the sight of the Lord. So um, that's what we're trying to do. Our, the prayer model that they use in Kansas City, it really goes beyond like worship songs and intercession. Some people think, oh, they're just doing praise songs and some intercession. Well, they are doing that, but they're doing a lot more than that. <laughs> They're doing. They're they're actually singing scripture, praying scripture, singing scripture. They do this antiphonal thing that goes back and forth. It's very spontaneous. It's very prophetic. They um, will get a chorus, which is actually a prayer. The whole room will join in on a chorus, which is a singing prayer. They have whole sets that they call worship with the word that they say they're like a singing seminary. It's like being in a Bible study kind of because. You get on a team, you go, we're going to go through Song of Solomon, Chapter 1, which we have a set that right now. Fridays at 10 to 11, we're doing this. So our team is going through Song of Solomon, Chapter 1. We just take like three verses, and, and we will sing it, pray it, look up cross-references, do Bible study around it, talk about it together on our team, going, what does this really mean? And we have notes from uh, Mike Bickle's study on Song of Songs. He has 20 pages alone on the first three verses out of chapter one. We've got 20 pages, and we're doing, we've done three verses in how many weeks? Like a month or something. We're still in the same three verses because there's so much there that the Lord's speaking through that. And so it's like a singing seminary. We're actually going deep in the word when we do when we do these sets. Um, and you can tell that if you watch the web stream and you catch some Worship with the Word sets, you can tell some of the depth of language that they're getting as they sing this, what they're singing. They're singing scripture, but they also are singing like um, the cross references and this, it's like a Bible study. Like there's depth to it. And the way it comes out, it's just, it's like the most beautiful thing. Um, at IHOP, the reason why it's called IHOP, you might think, oh, that's International House of Prayer, and it is, but it's actually different. The Lord actually gave Mike Bickle IHOP for another reason, not even for International House of Prayer. 
He gave him the, he gave him IHOP as intercession is the I that prayer would be happening night and day. Then he gave him H, which means holiness of heart, living a holy life to the Lord, sermon on the mount lifestyle. Offerings to the poor is O, or intentionally living a simple life, so you can give more. And um, P is the prophetic or prevailing faith. In other words, engaging in conversation with the Holy Spirit. You're in a prophetic atmosphere. You are building faith. So that's IHOP. That's I-H-O-P. There's much more on this. If you actually, um, and I recommend this, if you go to IHOP KC website or you can go on YouTube, type in IHOP KC prophetic history, you can get different times Mike has gone through their prophetic history. There's like a set of eight one time. There's a set of 12 another time. But he tells the whole story of how that was birthed. And it was really supernatural. In the early 80s, a lot of, a lot of um, prophetic supernatural stuff. Um, and their story is also our story because we fit into this story. You know, Even though we're not there, we're part of this movement. And so when you listen to that, you realize, whoa, we are a part of something global, something, something that's much bigger than ourselves. And it's something the Lord is doing. And he's spoken of it in his word. You know, it's not like a fad. It's not like Mike came up with this stuff. He had encounters <laughs> with the Lord, and um, the Lord led him this way because he never thought he was going to be doing this. He just thought, no, I'm going to be a senior pastor and teach the Bible, da 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 And the Lord's like, no, actually, you're going to have singers and musicians. They're going to go around the clock. They're going to pray for Israel. Mike's like, they are? They're gonna... Why? You know, he didn't even get it himself, like this calling. But the Lord kept showing him step by step. And it's really a magnificent story when you get into it and hear that history. So I recommend that. Um, So our organization, just to give you a little background, um, in case you haven't been around, um, we are 501c3 nonprofit um, corporation. We function as what we call is a mission space. Why do we say mission space? Well, it's because we actually raise up missionaries. They're prayer missionaries to do prayer night and day. So Kansas City, um, they've had different amounts of prayer missionaries. I don't know how many they have going right now, but they had up to 1,400 prayer missionaries at one point where people raise their own support, and they, that's their job. They pray. That's their vocation. Now, they do a lot of other things, too. They do outreaches. They do tons of other stuff as an intercessory missionary, but their main vocation is prayer. And so um, we're, we're like that in kind. We also have intercessory missionaries here. Karen is one. I'm one. Um, we have some in Sacramento. We have a handful of intercessory missionaries, people who are actually raising their own support so they can be in here for more hours. Um, and that's what they're called to do. Their vocation is prayer. Um, Let's see. Intercessory missionaries are really, they're kind of like the backbone of the prayer room because of the amount of time they're able to devote to being in the room. So, like, I really count on Karen. She's like a backbone around here. And if you've been in the room, you know she is, right? Because she's here every day from 7 to 10. Every day. Like, that is so valuable to me because every week I have people texting me saying, I can't make it to my set, da-da-da, right? I'm like... Karen, can you put on the web stream or, can, you know? So she's here 
she's like a backbone around here and um, we need intercessory missionaries um, it's a it's a calling that not that many people have to be honest Mike says maybe one percent of the body of Christ will have a calling to do prayer as their vocation so it's a small amount but because we build night and day prayer on these people that we call Anna's out of Luke 2:47, right there was Anna who gave herself to fastings and prayer night and day. And so we, we use her as kind of a biblical example, Anna and Simeon. They gave themselves to fastings and prayer night and day, preparing for the first coming of Christ. We believe there'll be, you know, maybe a million Annas preparing the same way for the second coming of Christ. And so we will always trumpet the Anna message here, even if there's only 1% that will maybe respond to that you know, we want the 1%, you know, so we will always trumpet that because this is where an Anna can land and go, oh, I, this is so helpful to me because here I am called to pray so many hours and yet my local church is not open like that, you know, but I can be in this room doing that. I'm like, yes, that's right. (laughs) So, um, let's see, page three. We do have a value. Uh, one of our main values is night and day prayer um, to go around the clock um, 24-7. We've tasted of the night and day reality. When we were birthed, um, there was a lot of, we were riding on the IHOP wave. Um, there was a lot of activity around it. And we actually increased our hours to the point where we were going 24-5. And we did that for three years. So we had an insane schedule. Um, Jason was our night watch guy for three and a half years. I love to brag on him because he just signed up for the night watch internship for two months and he stayed for three and a half years. So, um, and there's nothing like the night watch as far as going to intimacy with Christ. It is so special. So we want to do that again someday, you know. But this thing ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. It's feast and famine, you know. That is how it is. People come in the prayer room, they participate for a while, then they move on to something else, you know. Some will stay, a lot move on. We've, we've had hundreds of people come through our prayer room. Hundreds of teenagers and young people coming through our prayer room over the years. And um, it's for a season for some people. You know, people will come in here for a season and then move on. Others will be like, oh, I'm, I'm here. You know, as long as I'm living in the region, I'm going to be there at that 5 a.m. set strumming my guitar, and it's part of their lifestyle, and they just do it, you know. And they just, this is part of their lifestyle. They're in a rhythm of a lifestyle of prayer. And that's what this place can provide, you know, that rhythm that we all really need to get in, a culture, a lifestyle, a prayer um, let's see. Where am I? Okay. Yeah, even part of C, just some of our core messages, intimacy with God, we sometimes call that the bridal paradigm because at the end of the day, the church is going to see herself as the bride of Christ. And that's what we see at the end of the book of Revelation. Um, the Father's heart, we teach that. The forerunner message, that's language for Um, being like John the Baptist to prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. 
um, fasted life or Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, um, eschatology, we teach the end times, we study it out, we teach the end times, we talk about the second coming of Christ. We believe that it's important to teach about that. Not a lot of the church is teaching on that, but there's 150 chapters in the Bible that speak about the second coming of Christ and the generation of the Lord's return, and we need to look at those scriptures. We need to get familiar with those scriptures because we will not be ready if we do not get around those scriptures. And so um, we teach those, um, and we, we try to get around it as best as we know how. We pray into it. We fast into it. We look at these scriptures. We sing these scriptures. At one point, we were reading the book of Revelation, all of us, every week for I don't know how long. It's like, read it again. Let's read it again. You know, there's a blessing on this book if you read it. But it was coming out in our songs, and, you know, it just gets in you, you know, when you get around these scriptures, it's super helpful because the spirit of revelation will touch down on you and be like, oh, I'm starting to get this now. I'm starting to get this a little bit. So we teach that. Um, We teach about the fullness of God or going to the summit of union with God. And we have a discussion group in here on Mondays. Um, We're going through a book called Fire Within that's all on that topic, union with God. So those are some of our core teachings. We embrace, obviously, the whole Bible, um, the salvation message, Christ's sacrifice on the cross, and all the biblical principles to build holy lives. Um, But our vision here specifically is narrow, and it's, it's focused. And that gives us permission to say no to a lot of other things and to do the one thing that we're called to do, which is pray night and day. So we don't try to be everything to everybody. We try, we're more like In-N-Out Burger. We're like, no, we're just doing burgers. And we're not going to do chicken, you know. And that's okay because God gives us a specific assignment. And so it gives us freedom to say no to a lot of other things. And those things will be picked up by other people in the body of Christ, you know. So um, we, we're very narrow here because that is our assignment to be. It gives us confidence. Um, before the Lord that when we are walking around in this empty room praying that it matters to God he's called us to do it so it's like it doesn't matter if a lot of people don't understand it or a lot of people aren't in here he's still called us to do it so we will be faithful to it and we will do it Um, I believe the prayer rooms of the earth will be used as catalysts to the body of Christ to pray more um, mostly we're still unknown. Like even the whole prayer movement is mostly still kind of an unknown entity to the mainstream body of Christ. Many, many people have never heard of Kansas City, even though they've gone night and day. They have a Bible school. They have many, many things going on. Um, they have a global audience, and yet tons of the body of Christ has never heard of them. And so I believe as this thing opens up more and more and more prayer rooms are are birthed and it just becomes more common um, will be kind of catalytic even to the local church local church is going wait how, what are you guys doing how many hours you, you, you guys are going around the clock or that many hours and I believe it, it will kind of ho- hopefully prick some hearts so that the local church will go why don't we open our doors during the week you know not just for Wednesday night Bible study but how about we 
we just open our doors and have some music on in the background and people could come in and pray and come in and out and pray, you know? And then churches can become houses of prayer. They don't even have to staff it like what we're trying to do. Just open the doors so people have a place where they can go and meet with God and pray. There doesn't have to be a service going on. How about we just open the doors? And so I think prayer rooms will be catalysts as it kind of spreads. I'm praying that, hoping for that. Um, because ultimately the whole body of Christ is called to a lifestyle, lifestyle of prayer and a culture of prayer. We are called to that. At the end of the day, the end of the book, the spirit of the bride are crying out in unison, come Lord Jesus, come. We are in a corporate prayer meeting, all crying out for the Lord to come back, right? And so culture of prayer and, um, and lifestyle of prayer is where the Lord wants to get us, the whole body. So I think these rooms will be catalytic to kind of get the whole body going. Um, we function as a spiritual family like a church here. A lot of, other, a lot of our people go to other churches as well because we're narrow. We don't do everything the local church does. Um, but we still care for one another. We have pastoral care. Um, we love each other. We do Bible study. We pray. So we function as a church in a lot of ways, even though we don't do a lot of the ministries that a local church would do. How's everybody doing? All right, I'm kind of long-winded, but I will wrap it up here. How can you be involved? What are the next steps? We do need your help to build this expression of God's heart in our region. Um, So the things we have going on right now, I highlighted in um, bold. We we will have like our John 10.10 internship happening every year or twice a year. So that's just an ongoing thing where we teach our core values. And so jump in on an internship if you ever can. It's flexible even for working people. So um, you can get up early and come in before work to pray in this room. We're open on a lot of days at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. So your hours can be flexible. Classes can be set up in such a way we can do them at night. Sometimes we do during the day. But you go through 10 classes in our internship. You do 10 hours of prayer. It's called John 10.10, because that's what the Lord put on my heart. 10 hours in the prayer room a week, 10 classes, 10 weeks for $10 a week. (laughs) John 10.10. That's our John 10.10 internship, and you get all of our core value teachings. Harp and Bowl training, that's the model that we use. We have regular trainings on that. The next one coming up is May 22nd. It's going to be 1 to 4 in the afternoon. It's going to be fantastic because we're bringing somebody down from Sacramento who's super experienced at the model. It's not Jim. (laughs) It's um, Mary, who actually is from Romania. She's awesome. She was all a part of a house of prayer in Romania. She's a worship leader. She's a prayer leader. She's all in up in our house of prayer in Sacramento because we have another house of prayer up there. And she's very experienced at training in the model. So the fact that we can get her down here and do a training will be super fun. So please come to that. Um, And then these are just the other things you can come to. We have a Wednesday night class usually going on right now. It's going on in Hebrews. That's at 6 o'clock in here. And the cool thing is we let other people teach that want to teach that are just in the community, and they're like, 
I want to give it a try. And so we're like, okay, you study out chapter 5 or whatever. Look up cross-references, read commentaries, pray over it, you know, sing it at home or something. And then you come back and present to us. And we can all be students together learning. And this, um, this Hebrews class that we've been doing has been so powerful. And it's fun to have different teachers because they present and then people bring up different things. And it's like a whole discussion around the Word of God that you wouldn't, you know, and people just have different perspectives, you know. And then we bring up different points because we're all studying it out. We're all studying it out together. I've been getting so much out of this book of Hebrews doing this together like this because there's just different points brought out, you know. It's super fun. Um, we've done other books as well, but that's the one we're in right now. Our youth gatherings happening Friday nights. Like I said, those have been really dynamic. Um, this summer we'll have teen intensive young adult internship. Thursdays in here is kind of special from 9 to 10. We pray corporately for the prayer movement. And we pray for other houses of prayer that we're connected to. We're connected to eight other houses of prayer in a pretty dynamic way where I go as a leader and I meet with the other leaders of these houses of prayer like three times a year. And we will discuss things about prayer room. How are you doing this? You know, and we just, we have three days of solid meetings, <laughs> but we also have relationship and we've grown to love one another. And we do events together. We do this thing called Facebook live event where we will pray for eight hours. Each of each prayer room will take an hour and we'll broadcast it on our Facebook live but we'll all be seeing in each other's prayer rooms when we do that. So we're all there for eight hours looking in on each other's prayer rooms. And then we pray for these leaders and these houses of prayer every week. And they pray for us every week. So it's really a dynamic relationship. Um, and um, so on Thursdays we, we pray for that. And then we have what I call a staff meeting, which open to everybody. Anybody can come in to our Thursday staff meeting. It's about 15-20 minutes, sometimes half hour. But basically it's when I cast vision for what we're doing in here and it's also a cultivation of friendship because coming in the prayer room, if you're new and you come in, we're almost always vertical. We're like praying, singing, worshiping, we're not like engaging like over a meal like this, except for rarely, right? So it's almost like trying to get to know people in a library. You go into the library, you're not supposed to talk, right? And so it's hard to get to know people in here because we're vertical. We're like constantly worshiping the Lord and we're like, if you're going to talk, go out, you know? <laughs> we might come out and talk to you or we might not, you know? So... Um, but Thursdays, we have a little dialogue, you know, and I basically um, will talk around a Bible verse. It's usually a teaching. It's usually something very spontaneous that the Lord's put on my heart right then. Like, this is what I think the Lord's saying right now to us. And so I don't plan those out. I let the Holy Spirit just kind of lead that. And sometimes it's like I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, oh, we're supposed to be praying for Karen right now. Karen, sit in the hot seat. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. That doesn't happen that often. Usually it's a more like teaching and around a Bible verse. But occasionally we have that kind of interaction where um, there's just freedom for the Holy Spirit to move. And, and um, that happens Thursdays like 9 to about 10.30. And just really encourage you to come. That's how you can kind of really get 
locked into community in here, we've gotten really close. People who show up on Thursdays, there's something special there. Um, and then our Saturday night services and counter God services, my husband, Dan, who you know, is he's the main teaching pastor here. And he teaches usually through a book of the Bible. It's very powerful. It really helps unpack the whole context of what's going on. Right now he's teaching through the book of Daniel. It's been amazing. So that's always happening. We get that good expository teaching. Let's unpack the word. Let's go deep in this. And he always makes it applicable to prayer room. You know, he's like, how does this apply to us? And, and we get that. So, so um, you can, those are all the things that you can um, jump in on if you're new. That's what's happening around here, basically. Um, page four. Um, you can help by just attending the prayer room consistently. Um, if you don't already do that. Just try coming in once a week for an hour. So if that's not like your regular pattern, I just invite you to do that. Um, We have a thing called a sacred trust, which I brought some tonight, which is basically like a form you fill out that's like you prayerfully consider, Lord, do you want me to do this? And how much do you want me to do this? And you pray over that and you're like, I think the Lord's calling me to be in that room once, one or two hours a week. And then, of course, you don't need to tell us that. But if you do tell us and you write that on the form, you know, it's kind of like a commitment. You know, you're signing your name. This is what I'm going to do. We're not going to hold, we're not going to like, you know, check up on you or anything. But what it does for us is it helps us to know you're on the wall with us in the place of prayer. Oh, you know, so-and-so is going to come in. They're going to be in the room this hour, you know, for this hour. They're on the team, basically doesn't mean they're on on the worship team it just means they're on the wall with us they're with us and it helps us to know that you know it helps us to build hours in the prayer room if we know you're in here consistently at a certain time that really helps us to know that so um if you want to fill out a sacred trust form um that helps us but it also is like a a commitment for you you're making a commitment unto the lord and that's sacred it's sacred and so We have those forms if you want to do that. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. Um, You can also help out by just uh, being a part of a set. So our prayer room sets, we always need worship leaders, prayer leaders, singers, musicians, sound techs, the whole gamut, right? We are always in need of all of that. Um, If you want to be on a team, you go through our Harper Bowl training, and then... You, um, you can either do like a devotional set, which is by yourself on a keyboard or guitar. You're worshiping the Lord in here for like an hour. Or you can jump on a team and like support a worship leader. If you play another instrument and you want to support a worship leader by playing your instrument, that would be awesome. We'd love to have more instruments going in here. So there's, we always have a need, you know, for any position basically in here. For the, for the worship teams. Um, and then there's just other random random stuff that we could use help on. Um, there's a thing called volunteer staff. I say join volunteer staff. Volunteer staff is actually a pretty heavy duty commitment because even though all of you are volunteers who are doing sets, I don't call you volunteer staff. You're just volunteers. You know, you're just helping out and you do it as you have time available 
no pressure on you. If you don't show up one day, it's not a big deal, you know. And we run the prayer room like that with a lot of people who just like, I can come when I can come. Sometimes I can't be there, but when I'm there, I'll help. I'll jump up on a set. And that is cool. And you can just maintain that level of commitment. But for someone who might be like an Anna, who's really looking towards, I think I might be called to do this, you know, as a vocation, like for many hours. That's a different scenario. And that's the kind of person who would want to look at the volunteer staff document, which is very much more level of commitment. So if anybody wants that, I have those too. So I just wanted to bring those because it's on here and I have that, but I just wanted to let you know it's, it's, um, it's a higher level of commitment, kind of leaning towards, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary in there someday. Um, we also need section leaders. Section leaders are really key to adding prayer room hours. The section leader is kind of like the pastor in the room at the time. So um, they're over their section. They watch over the room. They're keeping watch over the sanctuary. Um, they know the model. They know what's going on in here. They, they know what our etiquette is, like what is acceptable in this room, what's not. And they will tell you if what you're doing is not acceptable and you need to take it out, you know, like talking or whatever. Um, so section leaders, they support the vision of the prayer room. And they answer questions. They might be a sound person. They might open up the prayer room. They might close down the prayer room. Um, they might even help build worship teams on certain hours. You know, if we were to expand and someone said, I could be a section leader, you know, from 12 to 4 every afternoon. We don't have those hours filled with worship teams. But if there's a section leader in here, then we have a leader here. You can turn on the web stream and the room is open, right? Section leader is like the first step in getting more hours. Um, and then here's um, our leadership at East Bay Prayer Furnace. Not everybody knows who's who around here and what they're, what's happening, you know? So I just wrote it out. Jim Stilwell, he's our apostolic overseer. He's currently running the, the House of Prayer in Sacramento. So if you look on this, picture over here we have two big circles 50 mile radius of this house and a 50 mile radius around Roseville which is where our other house of prayer is so we're two houses of prayer under one organization so Jim comes down about once a month and he'll teach or he'll help us you know he'll do trainings he's we're we're all in this together with vision we have the same vision I'll go up there and help out I'm up there quite a bit actually I getting to know everybody up there. It's super fun. There's, it's exploding in Sacramento right now. So um, Jim's our overseer. Um, I'm the director of this prayer room. Dan is our lead teaching pastor. Um, Jason and Nori are leaders of our youth, which has been like super awesome. Um, Karen, she's our intercessory missionary. She trains the worship teams. So she's there on briefings, debriefings, telling you, what you can do better, or what was good. And um, she's, like like I said, one of the backbones around here. And then we do have a board of directors, along with Jim and myself, Pastor David Kim from Parkway. He's been, our, he's been with us from the beginning. That's where we first did our prayer room in his church for six and a half years. <laughs> and then um, Vic Baldi and Elizabeth Folguero are just two very wise people. <laughs> that we put on our board, and we're so glad we have them. They're awesome. Elizabeth actually used to do a set in our prayer room. 
Um, and then practicalities. And these are just really specifics on how we can make things go a little smoother around here. Um, and it just has to do with if you're doing a set, start five minutes before instead of on the hour. And that will help us to kind of be more consistent with our transitions. Um, if you're on a team, if we can figure out how to brief and debrief even 15 minutes before and after, that would help so much because then we could go, oh, so-and-so will sing through the passage, you know, and that kind of thing. Like, if we don't have that set and we just get up here, which we do a lot of days, we're like, who's going to be singing the first thing? Well, we don't know, you know. So if you're on a set and you can, I mean, try to come a little early so we can get in a little briefing, debriefing, um, fill out a sacred trust commitment. If you are if you are intercessory missionary or volunteer uh, um, staff, then you would need to fill out a sacred trust. But I actually use it as a time card, too, for people who are getting paid. It's like these are their hours. So, um, and then the other things I think um, I've already talked about these things, of, except for the last one, global bridegroom fast. But... These are the things you can, you can also do, four and five. We talked about those. Six, Global Bridegroom Fast is actually a fast that happens throughout the whole prayer movement around the globe. And it's every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the beginning of the month. The first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are fast days. And then in December, the first seven days. And so if you add all these days up, it's 40 days. So you do a 40-day fast every year. And um, you're doing it with a lot of people. So we've been on and off with the Global Bridegroom Fast. Sometimes we've been like way in, and other times we were like, we just don't even forget, we forget it, and we don't mention it, you know? So I'm trying to get kind of back on task. <laughs> because when we fast regularly, it wakes up our spirit. It wakes you up. And so it's very good to get in a regular habit of fasting. So that is it. And then tonight... Um, just for people who want it, I have sacred trust and volunteer staff forms, but I also have our handbook, which I rewrite about every five years because everything changes. And so if you're on a set or you do a worship set or you're just in the room a lot, take one of these handbooks and read it. If you don't want to keep it, bring it back. Don't throw it away. Bring it back because I'll reuse it because these cost us some money. Um, you're welcome to take it. Anyone can t take it, read it, bring it back, or you, if you want to keep it, keep it if it's a useful resource to you. But it has um, everything in here that is important to us. <laughs> our vision, our mission, our, you know, kind of some specifics about the model and things. So um, I have these. Uh, more than willing to give everybody one. And like I said, don't throw them away, but um, read them if you want to bring them back or keep them. So that's this. You'll get more. And I think that's it. I'll close in prayer and then I would love to hear back from any of you anything, any response, any reflections you've had, any testimonies you have from being in the prayer room or your experience here. Um, we would love to hear that. So let me go ahead and just close up. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for this time. I just pray that you would mark every heart here, God, and that you would help every heart to get into a lifestyle of prayer and a culture of prayer 
and a simple lifestyle of just loving you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We just thank you for this time. In Jesus' name.